When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Aloha, spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, paranormal pop culture show with the Denna Geek Network. I'm your host, journalist, author, researcher of all things weird, Aaron Sagers. You can also catch me as the host of the Netflix series 28 Days Haunted, and the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus show Paranormal Caught on Camera. Now, today I'm excited to be talking to the cast and creatives as my guests from the movie Jethica. Now, this is a film that has been described as a genre-bending deadpan horror satire. There's a lot of elements going on here. And let me tell you a little bit about it. Jethica. It's actually the main character is Jessica, and she lives in fear of a man named Kevin who follows her everywhere she goes. And while on a road trip in New Mexico, she reconnects with Elena, an old friend she hasn't seen since high school. And she has been hiding out at her deceased grandmother's ranch. When Kevin mysteriously appears again, Jessica and Elena seek help from beyond the grave to get rid of him for good. But Kevin is different from other stalkers and won't move on so easily. Jethica is set to release in select theaters on Friday, January 13th, starting with a run in LA at the Lumiere Music Hall before premiering on the Discover the indie platform Fandor on Tuesday, February 14th. Now, let's go ahead and bring in my five guests. And first off, he is the director, co-writer, editor, and cinematographer of Jethica. Pete Hey, Pete. Hello. And we also have with us, she is a co-writer. She also plays as Elena, Callie Hernandez. Hey, Callie. And we have Jessica herself. Ashley Denise Robinson is with us. Hey there, hey, Ashley. Hey. And uh, he plays Benny. Just saying Benny. <laughs> Andy Faulkner. <laughs> and... And uh, cer- last but certainly not least, he plays Kevin, Mr. Will Madden. Hey, Will. Hi. Uh, thank you, each of you, for joining today. And I guess, you know, really the the first question that comes to mind is this, uh, Jethica premiered at South by Southwest last year. We are now getting this limited release, and then it's going to be jumping to the streaming platform Fandor in February. Uh, Pete, why don't I start with you? Talk a little bit about just sort of the ride that you've had from South by to this release to its streaming. You've received a lot of great reviews. The the film's really, it's been called a future cult classic and just a lot of nice things have been said about it. So talk a little bit about the ride you've been on so far. I mean, the just Jessica as a project started with very, I will say, humble beginnings. Um, The five of us went out to this trailer in New Mexico to make this movie with no expectations. We didn't even have a script. Um, It was just, we're all going to collaborate and make something pretty much for the fun of it, for the experience of it. So all the, you know, success that has happened, all the reception from various audiences around the world has just been icing on the cake, really. Interesting. So I did not know that. I didn't know that you had gathered and written it and and then you went right into filming from there. Yeah, which is very much why these four people are uh, not just the actors, but also the co-writers and also very much the creative collaborators where, you know, everyone was very much contributing to the creation of it because we didn't really know what it was going to be until we all got there to that trailer. Um, yeah. And spent well, let me, two, let me, two and a half weeks together. Uh, making this movie 
So from scripting to filming, only that amount of time. There was half of an outline. Okay. Well, where, uh, Callie, let me throw it to you. Like when you were joining together for this, what did you, what did you know about what this story could be? What was some of the thoughts that you had in your mind already? Um, not much. I mean, I knew Pete had come over at one point and Pete and I are friends and was like, we're not doing anything else. Do you want to make a movie? And I was like, yeah, yeah sure. And then um, we talked a little bit about character more than anything else. And Pete is kind of the driver of narrative for this film more than anything else, I think. And then we all kind of shipped in in our own ways. Um, but in the beginning, I didn't really know anything except for that I was driving to New Mexico in my car with people I didn't know and one person I did know and then we were all going to live together in a trailer in New Mexico and shoot a movie in two and a half weeks. That was like loosely based on a ghost. The Will. Like the characters were kind of like Pete is definitely the narrative you know driver and then you kind of formulate around it and sculpt it. Yeah that trailer didn't look quite big enough for all of you to live there at the same time. Well, there's, there's, surprise! Yes, there are two little bedrooms and then a futon and a couch that we would sort of rotate around. <laughs> I mostly slept next to Pete and then in the futon and then Andy or Callie on the couch. Yeah, we had to work. It was actually pretty cozy. <laughs> it's cozy. Uh, well, and and across the board, I'd like to hear from each of you about. I mean, yes, you were all working on this. You all, you each get co-writer credits, and Pete, you're also filming this thing and directing this thing. Add uh, each of you. Tell me a little bit about what sort of what you would say you feel is your main contribution to the final script and the final version of this film that we see. Callie, why don't you begin? Um. I don't know. Um, I kind of think that I did more, I don't know, I would like find locations or whatever. I found the gas station, that's my main claim to fame, I think. <laughs> and um, would do, I guess, art direction, but not really. Um, I don't know, I mean, mostly dialogue, I would say. Pete and I would really kind of like hit the ground running in the mornings working on dialogue, whatever we were working on that day, and then mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of just sensing whatever the group needed or whatever Pete needed in some way, she perform as much as and trying to intuit that as much as possible and anyone's needs and then acting, I guess. And Ashley, what about you? How much, uh, talk about a, little, a little bit about your main contribution, but also how much of the character of Jessica sort of was emerging naturally versus you molding it to you since you portray her. Sure, yeah. So definitely a thorough discussion of what Kevin's uh, punishment would be or what that looks like of how to actually make him go away. What would seem like, you know, Jessica isn't still a victim and and there's there's justice for for this for 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 Jessica for her character. Um, so like a lot of thorough discussion around that. Um, the character changed a bit. I remember filming something that didn't end up working of like coming into um, Elena Callie's house and with like a, a very a very different mindset than what it actually evolved into. So we like scrapped that or maybe it was just rehearsals. I don't know if we actually shot that bit, but uh, but yeah, but scrapping that and then going back and thinking, okay, actually it's gonna evolve more into this. So the the interesting thing about filming this way, um, and just to be clear for anybody listening, it wasn't improvised. We had dialogue that we wrote at, at least like five hours before we shot it. Um, uh, it's interesting shooting in order and also kind of not really knowing yet where your character is going. So, so having to work through that and trusting, okay, what I've shot already, needs to also make sense at the end. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, Andy, do you want to add to that, but also tell us a little bit about, I mean, your character, Benny, is, is we don't really learn a lot about, about Benny. Um, so talk about your kind of addition to this project and how are, how are you talking about Benny when you're doing interviews like this? Help me out here. Um, I mean, I can't say much, I guess, but, you know, I mean, my main contribution to the movie, I think, was changing tires when they would, when they would pop. You know, and um, and just like art department stuff, you know, we'd like build stuff. Everybody kind of contributed to uh, to the kind of like low budge sort of element of this, where you need to build a gravestone or stuff like that, and um, and also just brainstorming. You know, we would have these kind of group discussions about what we'd shoot before the day, and uh, I mean, Benny is like uh, he's got a little bit of brain damage, I'm not going to say too much, but, you know, so I'm mostly just having fun trying to be weird, you know. Mm -hmm. Pete, do you want to add anything about Benny there that, that Andy? <laughs> I mean, the thing I'm, I keep hearing from each of them, and Will's going to be the same, is that, like, I sort of brought this story framework, but, like, very much each of them were contributing their own, like, they created their characters. Um, I think that's the thing they're kind of humbly not just saying is that the characters very much came from them, came from their ideas for what, how they wanted to see the character, ideas they had for ways they wanted to play, things they thought would be interesting. Um, the way Benny is, who's this kind of like uh, weird hitchhiker guy roaming through the desert, is very much Andy pitching a version of that, which is from whatever his ideas were about people had he, he had experienced in New Mexico. Um, and it was really fun for me to just watch these actors and writers and creatives kind of come up with characters that they were excited to play and then watch them do it. Well, and, and Will, I, my question for you, and Pete, please add to this, is we have these wild ravings of Kevin. He's a stalker, He's and, it, and he really comes across as kind of textbook stalker in many ways, and even what he's saying feels like they were pulled from an incel uh, site or a real stalker's diary. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, channeling that, was that, I mean, who was writing that dialogue? Was that you? It, and slipping into the skin of this character that is definitely creepy, but also the film has some empathy towards, Yeah. ultimately. Talk about that. Yeah, this movie makes me laugh. Uh, my mom, my mom watched the length last night, and she called me, and she said that she cried <laughs> at some of Kevin's, Kevin's ravings. So yeah, the gist was Pete asked me a month out to to join in, and then I started to just watch YouTube videos and researching stalkers and their behavior, and there's tons of videos of selfies of people who are stalkers um, talking about their victims and sending videos to their victims and letters and all these things so i just sort of like absorbed that through osmosis and then started to just sort of make videos myself and would send them to pete as i was just exploring a character this is quarantine december 2020 so locked in my room so this was recording things and sending them to pete just to like kind of do my own actory stuff and the character started to kind of come through that a voice and sort of gate and then i would just write like letters and sort of just kind of, uh, you know, journal as Kevin and then sort of bring those along and <clears throat> to show Pete. And so, yeah, so a lot of it, like, there's a few phrases in there that are like text that are, that would just pluck from a real video that someone uh, said. And then a lot of, you know, Kevin, uh, his character, like, as we talk about in the ghost world of it, you're kind of boiled down to like the one thing you wanted most in your uh, actual life, your mortal life, and that's kind of all you can see and are obsessed with. So Kevin is just a constant faucet that's turned on, you know. And so a lot of those was I remember it was basically Pete and Andy being like, just go out into the darkness and just rant as Kevin. And and the prompt was like uh, was like make your plea to God of why you deserve Jessica. So I would went out and kind of just uh, improvised and kind of took things out from what we've been working on. And then and then that kind of like popped the cork of like, oh, that's what this character is. That's what it could be. 
I think it contributed to how everyone else, you know, worked on their character as well, of seeing like, how am I going to deal with this this guy? So a lot of it, yeah, was plucked from just reality, and then um, lots of kind of just winging it and going on for on for minutes on end, and then ultimately Pete chose what felt uh, worked best. Did you actually write the stalkery letters? <laughs> Was that your work? <laughs> I did, yeah. Yeah, so we had sort of a show and tell that on the first day or second day when we all got to the trailer uh, in January 2021, and they kind of showed all of them um, to everyone. I showed them to Kim to Pete, and Pete's like, Every- these are going to the movie, and everyone's going to see these. And <laughs> I remember it being a very fun day of going through them and just, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, and it's, it's sort of forgetting what they were. You write them, and then you and then you kind of unearth them. I, and Callie and Ashley, these characters of uh, Jessica and Elena, I what I love about it is it's it's definitely flipping the script a little bit because, or a lot of it, because on one hand, we're so used to ghost stories where the ghost is silent and slow moving and it's the creeping dread. Whereas in this, our ghost is a chatterbox and is frantic and manic and moving around constantly. Meanwhile, uh, these two women, there's a stillness about them. They're both haunted in different ways, but both strike me as fiercely independent. And yet they're not our typical, they're not scream queens and they're not, I, I just want to get that a little bit, get a little bit of uh, thoughts from you about that choice was did you set out with these characters saying okay we're going to be the anti screen queen we're not going to play in the expected uh kind of stereotypes callie do you want to start with that oh take it away ashley go ahead (laughs) yeah it wasn't intentional it wasn't um for me anyway it wasn't oh i'm gonna be not spooked or horror because because Jessica's already done that. Mm-hmm. She's already done all that. So that's, so, and so that's why she's at the point where she is now. And especially being with Elena, who, who kind of is that, you know, when you, you know, when you're with certain friends or certain people, you kind of just like adapt their mood as well. But also, you know, being in the trailer with Will, seeing what he's doing as Kevin, it's also something where, and you know, this is, you know, credit to Pete's direction as well, where if we were more, then it, would, it wouldn't make sense to to Kevin's stuff. And it just shows the contrast of, shows the contrast of one, uh, stalkers can come in many forms, right? It's not necessarily some creepy guy who's just staring you from a distance. It's also the guy who, you know, finds you in a store and just starts, it's like, okay, all right, that's enough. And then also, it, I don't think it would have made sense if we were, if there was more, um, I don't want to say energy, but if there was more, whatever, whatever this, you know, whatever the term for this is to, in as, as a comparison to Kevin's mm-hmm. character. Yeah, they, there's almost like this, between the two women, this more annoyance at the supernatural happenings rather than fear or terror. And I guess, as you said, uh, your character, Jessica has already kind of experienced the, the fear of being stalked. And now there's like this sort of annoyance element to it. I don't know if I'm reading that incorrectly, but um, that that's kind of what came across for me. I mean, Callie, do you have something to add to that? About the the these women that are have almost like a stillness and they're reserved compared to the supernatural happenings. Mm. Yeah, I agree that it definitely wasn't intentional. I think it's a combination of things, but I, yeah, I mean, at that point, I'd already killed Benny like by accident and buried him. So I also have like. <laughs> already been through you know it's kind of like another day you know yeah. um, and i don't know i mean i also uh it, it, i don't know it just felt it didn't feel like it didn't feel right for elena at least i'll only speak for myself because um but 
to be I don't know that's just kind of how it came out I'm well, sure. and I had an ulcer so that didn't help but oh did you yes I did oh <laughs> yeah uh, a, a lot of them adds... barely had a pulse half the time <laughs> during so production much... yeah so much, yeah, so, so, so much of how this movie was made was through intuition. So we have this outline, but we're really just trusting ourselves or trusting each other. And, um, and so Callie to say like, it felt right um, is just saying she was feeling having this intuition that this seemed right. In hindsight, sure. we, can, like, we can look back and analyze it. The, yeah, these are these two women who are very much, they've seen it all. They're at the end of the line. They're at the end of their ropes. They don't have anything left for any any bullshit in the whole world anymore. Like just because of what they've each been through, and I think that's what I think that's what leads to that kind of uh, performance from these two actors. Um, but they but they found that kind of like intuitively. Like I remember them sort of saying, "I think it would be this way," and we all just sort of said, "Yeah, that makes sense," without questioning it. And we just kind of ran for yeah. them. Well, and something I really enjoyed about the film is that we have these almost noir bookends to it uh, that bring us into the story and then take us out of it. And, uh, you know, I, I, Callie, like I'm uh, this, uh, this character of Elena, it almost feels like, yes, we see her after there's already been trauma and she's processing it and she's spending time at her grandmother's cabin or trailer. Mm -hmm. There's this mystical element to it, but man, it really comes across as if, there's so much more to Elena outside of this series of events. And again, I could be reading too much into it, but from your perspective as an actor, did you flesh out more of a backstory with her? Is there is there a wider world around Elena beyond just this incident that makes her kind of sort of sober in her approach to things? Yeah, there there is. I mean, I definitely had... I, I based it on some a person that I thought would be interesting to see what would happen <laughs> in this circumstance. <clears throat> but um, so yeah, I think there was a, a wider scope, but um, I didn't really concentrate on it that much. I mean, I don't know when when I work, and this was barely work. I mean, it felt just like we were just making a movie and. And it was fun, but um, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really think about it that much. But it was there somewhere. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, it comes across effectively. Anyhow, it does feel like this is a, a character that you want more of. That you, you think that there's more of a story there. Um, Andy, I want to throw to you for a minute, and I want to hear from each of you on this. But there's this element to this film that the needs of the dead are almost the same as the needs of the living emotionally. No, they don't have to eat or sleep or anything, but they're, they're afraid of being alone. They're afraid of being isolated. Um, and they're kind of walking amongst this world, just trying to seek those same things that we all want. <laughs> Respond to that. I mean, that's kind of a, a scary thought that even when you're dead, it doesn't, you're not done. Um, yeah, that's I mean, something I, that you sat with, and I want to hear from all of you too. <laughs> I mean, I think that's like a classic ghost scenario. You know, that's a little bit of, you know, maybe Pete took a little cue from Shyamalan and The Sixth <laughs> Sense, where it's like you need to be heard before you can move on or whatever. Um, but I think that's like, you know, of course, it's like a ghost exists because it has unfinished business. And, um, what is that unfinished business? It's probably emotional. It's probably something that it needs to resolve, you know? So, so I think we're like, we're feeding into that tradition of ghosts, but we're like, we're expanding upon it too, because, um, because there's different rules that people will yeah. see, you know? <laughs> well, we're going to get to the rules in a second. Uh, and Pete, I want you to break those down, but Will, do you want to add to that? Because, this is not just like your dead grandmother that wants to convey a message of love or someone that wants their murder solved. The, there's the element of the unfinished business is not always the most psychologically <laughs> healthy unfinished business. Yeah, I think, well, I think Kevin has a couple like revelations through the movie of like, <clears throat> of what he wants when he realizes certain restrictions of being a ghost that he can't maybe do what he, 
he thought was sort of the goal in the in his wake in his mortal life and he has to kind of refine and you got to see that in as he's walking around a field with some cows like kind of how he can still kind of be what he still kind of wants and it, it's a good exercise and like well what is, what does a character want what do we all want i don't know he just thinks he wants her and then it's like what does that actually mean you kind of see him kind of strip away what he's actually going after um and you kind of see a journey and 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 i don't want to give anything away but you sort of see where he kind of gets closer to realizing what he actually wants and then and then can start to like do something about it in a way uh, Pete, we have these ghost rules, and to lay it on me, what are the ghost rules of Jethika, and where, what was the sort of development of them? Because you add sort of to the mythology of this as well. Yeah, the ghost rules. Um, well, there are three ways to get rid of a ghost. <laughs> uh, they either leave on their own, you get another ghost to kill the ghost, because ghosts can kill ghosts. Uh, or you give the ghost what it wants. These are the three right. rules that we came up with together. Um, I think you came up with them. Did I, I, yeah, whatever, I came up with them, but I like pitch them to you guys. And then, you know, we all respected each other and such that like when something really didn't work just by saying it to you, I would see the reaction and we would know that it wasn't <laughs> right or, or it would get, you know, revised until it was something oh, good. What were some of the jettisoned ghost rules? Um, it's going to be hard to remember jettison ghost rules. Anything too witchy was out, I think. Too yeah. witchy. Too witchy. Because you're trying to, like, so much of what I am trying to do, and especially with this movie, is kind of distilling, like, getting things more simple, more pure, more elemental. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you don't want rules that are fluffy. You want them that are, like, singular and, and uh, precise. So... Um, but it was fun making ghost rules. Like that's half the fun of making a ghost movie is that you get to decide what kind of, uh, like kind of ghost rules you're gonna have. What can ghosts touch? Can can people see ghosts? Who can see them? And all those fun things. You know, we got to we got to play in that sandbox. It's it's a tricky one because once you start establishing your ghost rules, it's maybe not as complicated as time travel rules. But then you're like, well, yeah, but what? about this if they mm -hmm. can touch this object or can't touch that object yeah. <laughs> you know yeah it, it gets tricky uh, <laughs> there's a thing there's a thing we because and we we enjoy i enjoy having these conversations i know andy enjoys having these conversations about what type of ghost we're gonna have but you know we're saying like the ghosts can't touch stuff <laughs> and if you notice like elena is always opening the car door for benny to get in and like benny never opens the car door himself but then we yeah. were saying, okay, but shouldn't the ghosts kind of like float down through the car, <laughs> like to the earth? You know, like how it's only like work? their backside that is <laughs> right. has substance. You know, you have so, to draw the line. You, you have to draw yeah. the line somewhere. You know, but yeah. you know, talking about what those those lines are is uh, is half the fun. <laughs> so when you're filming this and you're writing during the day and you're filming and but you're also having downtime. Um, did you this this was filmed during a time of uh, great death uh, across the world and mm -hmm. and which continues but that was at the peak we're all dealing with various levels of lockdown and isolation and then also talking about mortality and what happens afterwards I mean can you give me a glimpse into some of the conversations you were having at night like after you've called it for a day and you're ruminating on life, the afterlife, uh, what, what kind of, what kind of conversations were you having? How did this kind of impact this project impact each of you and sort of what you think about the here, the now and the beyond? I mean, I, I, sorry, Ashley in a second, but I, I mean, yeah. mostly I remember at the end of our days, we're mostly like playing cards and, and not, talking about the movie um because we're in it so much during the day that at the end yeah. of the day you're kind of like wanting to, some sort of like release some sort of sort of break from it um but i yeah. do think all these themes that you're bringing up clearly this is the time when we all were making this thing this is what we are all can't help but be human in 2021 and bring this to the creative project we're doing so. yeah 
What do you guys remember from uh, <laughs> the end yeah, of the Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, it's, you have to remember, so it's January 2021. So it's been like less than a year since mm-hmm. the pandemic. And, you know, we all got tested beforehand and like the five of us, you know, drove together to the middle of nowhere. So it wasn't like, oh, I wish we could all go out, you know, to the bar down the street tonight. It's like, no, there's the closest, you know, the closest like dollar tree or whatever was like still like a 30 minute drive away. So it was, I felt mostly like we're just, we're just enjoying each other's company and enjoying that we are able to hang out with this many people at once and feel safe and feel together in this, you know, in, in this trailer in the middle of Estancia, New Mexico. So I think it was more about just being together amongst ourselves and instead of, you know, uh, thinking about the, the other, the other stuff of it, Mm -hmm. you know, anyone else want to weigh in on that? Well, I mean, I think the, the really core of the movie is about, um, people that are extremely alone, you know, and extremely isolated and everybody's isolated from everybody else. And I mean, I think that maybe came out organically, but that's, uh, that's how everybody was feeling at the time. You know what I mean? Isolation and uh, quarantine and um, yeah. And the movie really sort of has that in its, at its core. Yeah. I remember it was, we left, I remember Callie picking me up at like 5 a.m. I was on January 6th because I remember the, the Capitol Rife riots had just happened. And then meanwhile, we're all getting in cars and like taking off like civilization in a rearview mirror, sort of like to go to the desert and kind of escape society in a way. That's how I felt it. It's kind of the way I like to work. You sort of, so you're totally focused in on, you know, the small group of people you're with and making the thing itself. Um, but yeah, so it felt kind of like a, an escape from from reality in a way yeah it's almost like you're going to film an apocalypse movie uh out of that current events not so much a ghost movie yeah um Callie did you want to add to that as well about sort of the process of how this kind of did, did it make you think about bigger issues at all um bigger issues meaning Callie's yeah, I mean, always thinking about bigger issues <laughs> yeah what what do you mean well specifically the fact that you're filming this you're writing this filming this while a pandemic is still raging you're doing a movie about uh life death loneliness isolation and the afterlife did it did it change the way that uh you view any of that did you i mean did you walk away with any kind of like thoughts that you hadn't previously been uh, ruminating on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. And yes and no. Uh, Maybe just expanded on it. And I don't know, this was such a like bubble of an experience and in, in and of itself that any, any lasting repercussions it had or any, you know, kind of, shifts in perspective you know maybe just kind of not happen naturally on on its own afterwards i don't know just like any other experience you know like i don't think that i don't know i don't it was so long ago too that more than anything i was happy to make a movie you know um with people that i didn't know and one person i knew and i was just happy to work i I was happy to do anything at that point Mm -hmm. Did it make anyone believe or not believe in ghosts? I <laughs> did it change. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, this an encounter. <laughs> What's that? I've never, I've never had uh, an encounter, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm open to uh, receiving one. But uh, until well, then, it, well, it made me. It made me probably not believe in ghosts because we just made up all these rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I was curious. I mean, look, I I have been out in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico, and it's it's really easy to 
remember every scary story you're you're in both ufo country and skinwalker country and there's a lot of ghost stories and land itself is rich with uh indigenous history and it's real easy to get creeped out out there and i've spent a couple nights out in those spots not uh, a couple weeks you know so did anything creepy take place did i don't know <laughs> did you see anything strange okay well you're nodding okay go yeah for it. about halfway um, through there was uh, a UAP sighting a couple miles from our place. Our, our there was like five properties within eyesight of where we were, and our Airbnb hosts came in to be in the movie one morning, as playing another character, and uh, and they were talking about seeing a, a UAP, a UFO, um, above the property at 8 p.m. the night before when we were, we were all in the trailer, and they said they called all, the, all their neighbors, everyone, everyone had seen it. And uh, I remember asking them if they were going to report it, and they said no. Um, I was also like deep into the UAP hole the, right after the phenomenon came out. So, but, so I, I kicked myself because I was like, I should have been out stargazing at 8 p.m. So from there, I definitely was peering around. They, they, they said they see them all the time out there. And, um, yeah. and then they stopped reporting them because people think they're crazy and no one is doing anything about it. So. Right. I know that you're down the UAP hole because you say UAP instead of UFO. That is like the... (laughs) What is that? (laughs) What's that stand for? Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Yeah. It's It's basically what is being used now to be like, oh no, all the UFO people, they're crazy. But UAP, now that's Mm -hmm. that's a thing. For what it's worth, we'll... You know, I'm definitely on your side of high yeah. strangeness, okay? Oh, there when Ross told us that? I don't remember Ross telling us that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they were weird and sort of quiet about it. And I was, He's... and they, they mentioned it, and I was like, say what? And I went and sort of, drew, you know, uh, interrogated them about it. And they he, were kind of. He, he described it as an orange light. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Why? I don't remember this at all. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Any other weirdness? I mean, that's pretty damn weird. Any other weirdness or anything that took place out there? Did it get creepy? I mean, just in vibe alone, did it get creepy? It got creepy. We had multiple snowstorms that at night, the wind, there are all these wind, windy, windy nights. Um, we're just in the middle of this open field. So, and we're staying in this tin can, basically. Um, the, the police yeah. encounter? Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. And we're like really out in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. So we are actively isolated. We had one night where we were shooting a scene on the side of the road and um, some police came thinking we were drug running. Mm. We're just like these people parked in the middle of nowhere, passing Pelican cases back and forth between vehicles. (laughs) And uh, they didn't realize. (laughs) And then then we got a guy in ghost makeup. Um, Oh. Yeah, you're yeah. in full-on Kevin mode. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, and then, yeah, there were a few few guys who sort of harassed us and followed us in their car. And, yeah, who, like, emerged like, from the woods. Like, yeah. like, five or six of them just kind of came out all wearing the same T-shirt. And I was like, oh, my God, what's going to yeah. happen? It is. There are those parts of the country, right, where suddenly you realize, I am out of my depth here and this is and you're someone else's yeah There's nothing around but <laughs> yeah so the the trailer itself was it was a like an airbnb trailer yeah it was this uh spot i found on airbnb just by andy used to live in new mexico and he had said you know we should make a movie in new mexico it's this beautiful location so i got on airbnb and i just made the slider the price slider index like as far down as it would go basically and just saw what places were available and um and there are a couple in some of the cities and those were just boring but then there were these little outliers you know orbiting in the in the no no man's land and uh, one of them was this trailer just on these people's ranch and even the pictures on airbnb were already amazing looking yeah i mean and works out perfectly because new mexico and just the terrain becomes a character all its own Mm -hmm. which is i think is why andy was like we got we should film there because um yeah he knows i like landscapes and yeah and and pete i'm curious before we wrap things up just what i'd like to hear from all of you but about sort of your horror movie 
uh, DNA because it does. There's times where the score itself is almost like John Carpenter esque. There's we see some shots that are very Raimi esque, um, making the most uh, uh, effect out of not a big budget, and it comes off really well. It's mm-hmm. uh, intention. It feels intentionally minimal, minimalist, and it works. Um, so I'm curious about your horror movie vibe. And uh, the rest of you, if you'd like to weigh in on like sort of what scares you and what your 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 horror movie loves are, Pete. I I find myself not drawn to much modern horror type things, but certainly The Shining and Evil Dead and The Thing and um, like these kind of classics that somehow transcend a genre. Where like we don't like it just because it's horror, but actually it's also really high-level filmmaking um, that uses the horror genre to then speak to whatever like human condition, which kind of like all movies sort of are. But we also know a lot of things being made are actually just capitalistic commercial trash. <laughs> so um, when the piece of film is actually also kind of some sort of art expression um, that just happens to fall within the horror genre, that gets me excited in the way that yeah. those kind of classics do. Okay. Uh, Kelly, how about yourself? Horror movie vibe? Um, No. I mean, I don't like uh, horror movies that much. I don't like blood. I don't like gore. Uh, So anything with that, and it's ironic because I'm kind of in horror movies, um, but uh, I I did watch The Exorcist for the first time the other day because I've always been like, no, I no thanks. That looks disgusting. But I watched it the other day and I really liked it. <laughs> so I'm opening yeah. up to to yeah. a little bit more. And of course, like classics and stuff that don't freak me out, like Rosemary's Baby and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exorcist is an interesting one to catch kind of later because of how much cultural baggage it has you know everybody's saying it's one of the best one of those horror movies and uh, you know when you actually watch it it's it's hard to see it with entirely fresh eyes um so that's a that that's a that's a tough one i think yeah it's maybe kind of like watching alien or something for the first time but yeah i don't know i felt i liked it a lot oh yeah me going to see like megan in theaters you know right. <laughs> uh ashley how about you and uh, any horror movie loves or lack lack of yeah i like i can't do jump scares especially around other people because i like i will literally scream i mean my you know I, I live alone my mom was just here the other day and like i'm used to quiet so she'll sneeze and like i will jump i'm like mm-hmm. oh my god i just can't like fireworks Fuck fireworks, can't do it, you know? So jump scares, I'm like not a fan of. If I am gonna go see a horror movie, like I will have to ask somebody like, tell me about the jump scares. Are there a lot of them? Because I cannot handle it. Um, I'm more about the psychological thrillers. I like those. Um, And I agree with Callie, like I'm not a big fan of like gratuitous gore and blood and stuff like that. Megan yeah. is something I do want to go see. <laughs> um, but yeah, and you know, and it's it's funny because you know, filming a horror movie versus like watching one is is just such a completely different thing. I feel like we had a ton of laughs and you know, good times uh, more so than than not. So uh, yeah. yeah, even though I mean, it's to its credit, I would not. Yeah, Jethika is is yes, a little bit of horror and thriller and and a uh, lot satire a lot of elements to it that make it the whole that it is um but since we are on the horror movie topic andy and will you want to weigh in on that as well i mean i was a classic boy i loved horror movies you know raised on horror movies um weirdly i was really scared of ghosts because i saw a poorly made documentary about the tower of london and um, <laughs> and that really stuck with me for a couple of years. But um, yeah, I'm pretty desensitized to most horror movies at this point. And uh, just, I'm a fan still. Also, Andy, weren't you a, you were a kid who saw like really R-rated movies really young? Really right? young, yeah, 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 yeah. My father, you know, he wanted to be a cool dad, so he took me to all the horror movies. You know, yeah, 
as like a six year old. I now want to I want to hunt down this Tower of London. Um, I don't even know what it was documentary. It was I think it was purchased at Costco by my mother. I unleash the internet and have someone <laughs> yeah, find yeah, it, it and yeah, yeah. so you can confront that childhood fear. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Will. Yeah, my dad wanted to be a cool dad too, and would show me like Pulp Fiction when I was seven years old. It's like ridiculous, but not you know I was I had no real horror movie uh, inventory before this year. But going to festivals like the Overlook in New Orleans and other ones that I'm like I feel like all I've watched all year are, are mm-hmm. horror movies, a lot of independent horror movies. I just had no idea how much of like a fan base horror movies have, like like really hardcore like fans in a way that was really fun to be around um but stuff that freaks me out is i think i'm like what what freaks me out movies like prisoners freaks me out Mm -hmm. stuff that's like people going missing and like kids just stuff that's like a true detective that kind of stuff just stuff that feels rooted in reality not necessarily but like that's i can't like get like sick watching movies like that so i guess that's kind of the the, the the fear response I have to things, but I, do, I don't find them exciting. I'm like, I don't want to be scared. Why would you want to be scared? Sort of a there's there's a um old Japanese ghost movie called Kuroneko, which means the black cat, um, that I had seen prior to seeing Jessica. That um was certainly inspirational, and and there's a way that that movie presents ghosts that it's it's very much making up its own rules. They're like, the way they're doing it is not a way I've ever seen it before, but it it works. It's it's beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of made me feel like I can we can do whatever we want. We can have make our own decisions, and we're not tied to anything. Um, and that's a nice yeah. thing to feel. Well, the and and Will, this is something that you said that I I think this really sums up a lot about Jeffica as well is that when you when you talk about the threat of humans or a movie such as The Strangers, which is just really psychologically terrifying. A lot of that at the root is human instincts and the worst human instincts and then isolation. And and we're hitting both those vibes with Jethica. Um, and my final question to all of you is the weird experience that's hopefully only once in a lifetime experience of, of the world shutting down, you gathering together and writing and filming this, this movie. You were in isolation, you gathered together, you went back to a world of isolation, uh, partially. Um, when you wrapped this, were each of you ready to have some distance from one another after being together in this, in this trailer or were you so pleased to have extended human interaction that you were sad for it to end? Uh, and I'll just kind of do around, around the room. Pete, do you want to begin? Yeah, I, it, I felt like we had to leave because our, <laughs> you know, our Airbnb rental was up. And, mm-hmm. and also, yeah, we were in this weird time of the pandemic. But when you're on a movie shoot, you are sort of pausing your real life and you're living in this fake bubble life that feels unhealthy to stay forever because you know it's not actually real. Um, so, I mean, when it was over, you know it has to be over and you just sort of begin the process of like letting go of it. Um, and then the really beautiful thing I find is that, well, then I get to go edit it. So I kind of get to remember the times. And then each time I watch the movie, it's really just a documentary of our time spent there. Um, yeah. so it's kind of like, you never really leave the trailer. Yeah. Uh, Will, how about you? Were you ready to take a break from human interaction or were you sad to see it go? N- uh, well, we came back to LA and then I remember I made Pete let me stay with him for like a week. Cause I was like, yeah. you know, be COVID safe. Maybe I should like before I see my roommates, I'll just stay on your couch. And that's just an excuse to, to stay next to someone else and just be on a couch still. Maybe it's like you know, you come back from the war, you gotta sleep outside on the dirty couch. Like I need a couch to survive. Well, and it's so funny because it's how quickly I'm like. Anytime I finish something, I'm I'm always like, thank God that's over. And then like immediately, I have no idea what to do with myself, and I get sort of depressed. And then 
and then very quickly I'm like I wish I was back doing it again like and the more thinking about this movie it was like this was like the most fun it's like my perfect it's like my ideal version of working was like that basically yeah. um what we did and it's like oh wow and it's um so it's always a bittersweet grass is greener like when you're working when you're not working kind of a thing for me uh andy do you have any other insight on that um yeah i, I agree with i agree with will it's bittersweet for sure um i also lost like eight pounds <laughs> on the movie so uh so yeah it's just you know and not sustainable <laughs> yeah 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 so too many eggs not enough eggs yeah. <laughs> and uh ashley yeah yeah i mean i agree with pete it's like it's like it, even if the world wasn't shut down it's like okay it's the end of the thing and we gotta say bye and you know we'll see each other at the next thing and also we we got delayed because there was a snowstorm and what flagstaff on our drive back so we stayed you know we stayed on our travels an extra like day maybe day and a half mm-hmm. um so at that point it was like okay gosh like like, let's just get home and let's just get home in like one piece and intact. Um, but, you know, being able to go to the festivals and Will and I have worked on a project together since. So like seeing each other in different places since then has been has been like a really nice uh, reunion throughout the past, I guess, I guess two years. Right. Yeah. yeah. Two years to the day almost, which is mm-hmm. crazy. And and Callie, were you ready to kind of return back to whatever normal life was at that point or? Uh, where you said to, to wrap it up. I think, you know, that's just kind of the nature of movies. So it's both. Yeah. It's bittersweet. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, guys, I really appreciate your time today. I really enjoyed Jethika. And again, the film is Jethika. It's set to release select theaters Friday, January 13th. And we have a run in LA before premiering on the platform Fandor on Tuesday, February 14th. And my guest today of uh, director, co-writer, editor, cinematographer of Jethika Pitos. We've got co-writer, and she plays Elena Callie-Hernandez, Ashley Denise Robinson, also co-writer, and plays Jessica, Andy Faulkner, who plays Benny, also co-writer. All of you guys are co-writers. And Will Madden, who plays uh, Kevin, and also co-writer. So uh, thank you guys for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, for all those out there, until next time, be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird. Talking Strange is a part of the Den of Geek Network, available wherever you listen to other podcasts. If you like what we're doing, share Talking Strange with your friends and fellow spooky nerds. And please subscribe, rate, and leave a nice review. If you have a strange or paranormal story you would like to share with us, please email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com for a chance to have it read on a future episode. For video episodes of Talking Strange, check out twitch.tv slash denofgeektv and youtube.com slash denofgeekus. And please follow at TalkStrangePod on Twitter and at Aaron Sagers on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon for more paranormal pop culture content.